1: 106.5 FM
3: Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside,
1: and 105.0 AM
4: Palm Springs. We're going to be talking about uh, JFK and the assassination, and we've got uh, another author with us today, and uh, he's written plenty of books, or one big book that he's divided up. Ralph Thomas, thank you for being here.
3: Hey thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on your show. I'm happy to uh, let people know about some of this new stuff we've uncovered.
4: Well, that's great. Um, so for because first time on the show, um, how did you get into the uh, JFK thing and, and writing?
3: Well, I, I, I spent my life uh, as uh, mainly as a private investigator and the director of the National Association of Investigative Specialists. And I've had an interest in this for, oh, probably 40 years. Mm. And I wrote a book back in the pre JFK movie days and then sort of got out of it for a while and then got back into it. I don't know, five or six years ago. Um, I'm sort of retired now, so I can, I can do the investigations and the research on whatever I want to. And that's what I've chosen to do.
4: Yeah, so uh, out of all the JFK conspiracies and the people out there that, that you've read and been around, um, who do you think's done the best work in in your experience?
3: Yeah, well, that's kind of it's hard to say because there there's so much stuff out there I have to go back to the the original people that kept it alive, and that was Mark Lane. And J. Gary Shaw and those people who had really been instrumental in um, uh, really planting the seeds in people's minds that doubted the Warren Commission. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think we would have ever got to where we are today. There would have never been the House Select Committee on Assassinations or the Assassination Record Review Board. There would have been no JFK movie, which yeah. prompted the uh, assassination records review board.
2: Now, did did you get the opportunity to read the entire Warren Commission report?
3: I read the Warren Commission report when I was fourteen years old, and I I originally got the eight hundred page summary of it. And then talked my parents into buying the, I think it was, uh, 24 volumes that came out after that. Uh, and they were, you know, you had to, you could only get them in, from the U.S. government printing office at the time. And they weren't, they weren't inexpensive. Uh, but they, I finally talked them into getting them for me. And the first thing that I noticed was that the The supporting volumes conflicted what they said in their main eight hundred page book when you started studying it huh. and i never found I never found any of the answers in there that i I was looking for, and what I was basically looking for was what I originally heard on t v you know in the hours and day after the assassination which all all three major networks were stating that it was a conspiracy and there were shots from the front, you know and then you you know I got the Warren Commission report hoping that I would find some answers to these questions and there weren't any
4: Hmm. so what, what do you think about the latest release of documents um uh, did you learn anything new from them, or did, did have you heard anything from from them?
3: Yes, yeah, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, part, of, part of the stuff that we're going to talk about in a few minutes here actually comes from some of those documents, and I think that the documents... Uh, I also have a book called Smoking Guns in the JFK Assassination from the 2017 and 2018 document releases, and there's, uh, I think we're up to 320 smoking guns now.
4: Yeah. So there's really very little doubt here. Uh, what was the? Latest?
3: No, I, I think I think that the, the whole situation has been turned around to the point now to where um, people used to call what I believed and what the majority of Americans believe as they call they call them con, uh conspiracy theorists now i think the only theory is the lone bullet single gunman theory it's just it's just a mere theory now that he acted alone yeah yeah
4: so what was the uh, the the crust of the new information you were talking about um lauren hill i believe
3: Hall, Lauren Hall, L O R A N H A L L. And Lauren Hall, he was a um uh he he was originally in the army and he went into army intelligence and he got out of the army and went to Cuba to help fight with Castro like a lot of them did. Then he found out that Castro was a communist. And they threw him in jail, and he was actually in jail with Santos Traficante, who was the mob boss of, actually ended up the mob boss of Tampa. But Traficante owned casinos in Cuba. But Hall, um, he got out of jail and came back to Miami and became a professional mercenary and soldier of fortune with a group called Interpen with... uh Gerald Patrick Heming and they were trying to um you know, they were involved in covert operations, going into Cuba and doing all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, at- attacking um the sugarcane plantations and sabotaging uh food and those types of operations. Uh but Hall what he did was he admitted when he was hauled before the House Select Committee on Assassinations um, in, under a testimony that he had in the past participated in at least six operations to assassinate foreign leaders. And uh, what happened was um, Hall was named in a secret John Burt Society meeting in LA, California, by General Edwin Walker, as being one of two people who had been selected to help set Oswald up as, as the assassin. And, um, that is in, actually, that is not new information. That's, that information is actually in some FBI documents. And, um, what he did was, uh, he was traveling all over the country, several trips to back and forth from LA to Miami, and he would stop in, uh, Dallas a lot. And right before the assassination, <clears throat> he had, he had stolen a gun, or excuse me, a rifle that was in Hawk. That belonged to Gerald Hemming, and this rifle was a 30.06 semi automatic rifle with a custom sound suppressor and an expensive, uh, very expensive telescopic sight. (coughs) The rifle was, uh, you know, high end, state of the art. And Gerald Hemming had, um, he had pawned this rifle you know, months before because they needed cash to get out of L.A. So Hall went back and gave the guy that took the pawn on it $50 and got the rifle and took it to Dallas. And Hall was in Dallas. There's several people that place him in Dallas at the time of the assassination. And there's also documentary evidence that he was in contact with Lee Harvey Oswald. Um well, come to find out, you know, I think it was in nineteen seventy five an uh air conditioning mechanic went up to the top of the um the records building, which is a building across the street, not adjacent to but to the right of where the school book depository building is. It's actually where the ha- the jail is. And he was working on the air conditioning upstairs and a bullet hole fell out from under the lip of the roof, and they took this bullet, and sure enough, it was a 30.06 uh, rifle hole that had been up there. You could tell it, would, it had been up there for years because it was it was weather-worn. Um, so, you know, the evidence on Hall is almost overwhelming that uh, he was chosen to go to Dallas, and helped set up Lee Harvey Oswald as the Patsy. And the rifle story tends to show that somebody was up on top of that roof and fired that rifle, whether it was Hall or not. You know, we don't know. But Hall stated under oath that his exact quote would be he was as close as anyone could be to the CIA without actually working for them. He also indicated that he was he was being paid by the CIA through cutouts and third parties. Um, he also had a meeting uh, in Miami some months before the assassination with Santos Traficanti, Sam Giacana, and Johnny Roselli. You know they were all they were all mob connected. Mm-hmm. And he stated under oath, that Johnny Roselli gave him between twenty twenty thousand and thirty thousand dollars in cash I mean that's pretty that was a lot of money back then and then he also stated in his testimony that he had let me get the date here um yeah uh, this was just a few months before, okay oct- oct- october 17th of 1963 and this is documentary evidence it's it's in his under oath testimony that he had a meeting in Dallas with a man by the name of Lester Logue l o g u e and lester um he was pretty wealthy. He was in the oil business. And the last three or four days, we'd, knew, we'd been doing quite a bit of background checks on him. We found out that he he has all kinds of ties to military intelligence that are pretty solid. He was in the Army himself. But anyway, Hall um, went to his office and um, actually he, he used to go to his office and Lester Lugg would give him money because he was trying to – he was actually conning people in the thinking that he was involved with some of these anti-Castro Cuban operations and he would go to some of these extreme right-wing people and uh, solicit donations. And they thought they were giving giving him – funds for a for an anti castro revolution while he was just pocketing the money he was going all over the country and doing this but anyway in this meeting he he stated under oath that it was a meeting with that five people were in this meeting uh and they were talking about the uh an assassination of jfk and one of the meeting one of the men in the meeting his name was Jack, and he owned a trucking company. And he pulled out his checkbook and slapped it down on the table. And he says, "I want to write a check right now for fifty thousand dollars. I want all of you to match that." And Hall claims he got up and walked out when that happened. <clears throat> I don't, I don't believe it. Uh, if you analyze his um, his testimony under the House Select Committee on Assassinations, you can. You can tell that he's being deceptive about it. Uh, So he walked out of the meeting and then went back to L.A. And then the next thing you know, General Walker is stating in a secret meeting that Hall had been chosen with another one of his partners to help set Lee Harvey Oswald up as the assassin. Um, And then there was another documented a uh, piece of evidence that was given under testimony through the same committee where another individual from New Orleans stated that two weeks before the assassination, he was instructed to take a large envelope <clears throat> that contained cash, photographs, in diagrams to Dallas and hand deliver it to Hall and his partner. That was that was just two weeks before the assassination, and of course, Hall claims that he wasn't in Dallas at the time. Uh, but there, there are other uh, there's other documentary evidence that that backs all of this up. And one of the most important ones is the fact that the FBI and the Secret Service investigated a fellow by the name of Dr. Stanley Drennan, D-R-E-N-N-A-N. And he was a pretty wealthy doctor in Los Angeles. Lauren Hall was one of his patients. And Dr. Drennan was a member. He was a right-wing, radical member of the John Birch Society. And the reason why the FBI investigated him is the FBI had an informant by the name of Harry Dean. And Harry Dean had infiltrated the John Birch Society because the the FBI, they were trying to keep tabs on what they were doing and what they were saying. Well, Harry Dean uncovered that Dr. Stanley Drennan had called a meeting of certain select people, uh, members of the John Birch Society, uh, and the meeting was about the John F. Kennedy assassination.
2: Let's remind the listeners what and who the John Birch Society was.
3: That's, um, you know, they're, they're still around. And the John Birch Society... Today is not. It's a conservative organization that believes in state states' rights and, and things of that nature. But back in the '60s, they tended to be very radical um, minded, and they they were a group of extreme right wingers. Uh, that a lot of these people they were worked up into a frenzy over the commun- communist scare. And a lot of them had beliefs that, you know, any day now we were going to be taken over by communism. And they were because of Kennedy's policies. They were they were anti extreme, anti Kennedy. They wanted him out of office because of some of the policies that that he was pursuing um, with Russia and Cuba and some other things. Um, And a lot of the John Birch Society members were also extreme racists. Um, And the racist movement at the time, there were several organizations, including the John Birch Society and a political party called the National States Rights Party and another organization called the Christian Defense League. Mm-hmm. That they, they were attempting to take the civil rights movement and develop phony evidence that the civil rights was a communist conspiracy. That's what they were doing. They're actually gotcha. so effective at it. Uh, they even set up a speaker's bureau where uh, members of these extreme right wing mm-hmm. groups would go around the churches in the South. On Sunday morning services and give speeches about this in the churches. Um, so they were, they were propagandizing, you know, a lot of Americans. And this all, this all goes back and stems from, um, the McCarthy era where he was doing the same thing back in the, back in the 50s.
2: Oh, right. I mean, if I remember right, McCarthy saw communism behind everything. You know, almost to the Uh, point where he wasn't taken serious about anything. They were seeing
3: communists, yes. They were seeing communists in every closet, you know. Uh, And this was basically a con job by a lot of people, including J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, You know, people have to go back and see that... um, before, like, if you go all the way back to the 1930s and early 1940s, the FBI was not that big of an organization. And Hoover didn't have the power back then that he ended up with. <coughs> well, what happened was Truman, Truman assigned Hoover to start doing what they called loyalty investigations on uh, federal bureaucrats. And in, in a period of just a couple of years, and what they were doing, they were looking for communists inside the government. And what that did, within a period of just five or six years, is is it tripled the size of the FBI. Uh, you know, he went from like um, two—I think it was two thousand, just a little over two thousand agents to seven thousand agents throughout the United States. So, Hoover kind of found his gravy train and jumped on this, uh, communist thing because it was growing the FBI by leaps and bounds. So, you know, I think that, and, you know, of course he was also a rapid racist. <clears throat> you know, he, he too, along with these other extreme right wing groups, They were trying to tie the civil rights movement to a communist conspiracy. And this all goes back to, um, you know, this uh, the John Birch Society and the National States Rights Party, and also a group called the Christian Defense League. It was uncovered that they, every one of these groups, had a meeting. That involved the assassination of John F. Kennedy.
2: Wow. Okay. So, so it's, it's now pretty, that's where we pretty, tie it all together.
3: Yeah, you can you can tie it all together, and since what this Lorraine Hall guy was doing is he was going around all these extreme right wing groups in an effort to collect donations. For an anti-Castro movement, he can be tied to the John. He was a member of the John Birch Society, but he can also be tied to the National States Rights Party in the Christian Defense League. So everywhere you look where you uncover the fact that somebody was having meetings concerning the assassination of John F. Kennedy, this Lauren Hall guy shows up.
4: So um, when you said partner, who was um, Loren H- Hall's partner?
3: His name was uh, Lawrence Howard, and Lawrence Howard <clears throat> was another mercenary that was tied to Gerald Heming and a group that was called Airpin. And a lot of people don't understand what Interpen was a, um, it was a private mercenary group that was started by, um, Gerald Patrick Hemming. Um, and they were sanctioned by the CIA to train these anti-Castro Cubans for raids in the Cuba. And there were also some <clears throat> i mean, as you know there there were about twenty different plots to go into Cuba and assassinate Castro you know they were they were closely aligned um to the John Burt Society and the National States Rights Party and some of these other extreme right wing groups. Uh, Because what they would do is they would go to these extreme right wingers and solicit funds from them. Uh, So I mean you can put them all in one big pile. They they all they all thought alike.
2: During the initial news reports after JFK's, I mean uh, immediately after JFK's death, they were talking about three shots being fired is this kind of leaning towards your investigation with multiple shooters
3: Yes you have to remember um if you go back to this rifle uh that we talked about that it was a it was a johnson thirty point o six that had a custom built
0: and 365-day returns.
3: Down in Miami, I'd have to dig out his name, but I have it. But he did work for the CIA and for all these anti-Castro Cubans on their weapons and stuff. And he had, he had actually invented this sound suppressor. And when you put it on a gun, you know, from 20 feet away, you couldn't hear it. Couldn't hear it when it was fired. Um, so, I mean... Uh, You know, the bottom line on Lauren Hall is there's no actual proof that he was one of the shooters, but there's actual proof that he was involved in some manner. And one of the most interesting things about him is right after the assassination, you got to remember this guy is officially telling everyone that he has been unemployed for a year. Okay. No visible income. Well, directly after the assassination or, sort or shortly thereafter, he went back to LA and bought a, uh, he bought a hotel, a new Cadillac, brand new, brand new Cadillac, he had new clothes, and sources stated that he appeared to be living very high off the hog. So, I mean, you get to the point to where you start saying this and, and people say, well, that means nothing. Well, you got to go, well, what do you want me to do for you? Paint your picture or what? How much more evidence <laughs> do you need?
4: Well, I
2: mean, it, it would be nice.
4: But who? Well, who were the uh, people that he uh, that he assassinated before JFK or before he was involved in that?
3: They were... Uh, they were they – were, he'd actually never actually assassinated anyone. He just said that he was involved in six other operations of foreign leaders, and they were all either aborted or failed missions. Um, and there's evidence to show that – and this is above and beyond this – these six other operations that he actually stated under oath. But there's other evidence that would indicate that he was sent into Cuba on various runs into Cuba in attempts to assassinate Castro. And, you know, it was a very dangerous mission because um, when those operations were going on, nine times out of ten... By the time that the anti-Castros landed on a beachhead in Cuba, Castro already knew all about it. So Castro had infiltrated all those anti-Castro Cuban groups, somehow. Uh, But one of them, let's see, I'd I'd have to look back. I know one of them was an uh, an aborted assassination attempt on the president of Costa Rica, and another one involved a plan to assassinate whoever the president or whatever they called him back then at Guatemala. And I'd I have to look back and got it's it's in his deposition. He actually names the different ones. And he also <clears throat> stated under deposition that when he was in... The U.S. Army, he was stationed in Germany and he was trained as a military intelligence officer. And at the time, one of his, one of his assignments was surveillance photography. And he claimed in his deposition that he was set out to take pictures of various people who were enemies of the United States. That were targeted for assassination by the U- U.S. Army. So, I mean, how much, how much more proof do you need that he's involved in assassinations? Mm.
4: Mm. And so, you, you, now, Lauren how, was he ever arrested for anything else or any other problems um, after the assassination?
3: Um actually yes he was he he was arrested for drug trafficking in later years um along with uh along with who at one time had been his boss gerald hemming was also at- w- at one point arrested for drug trafficking. Uh, and there are, there's newspaper clips of that. I think he eventually got out of it. But he, he was also arrested. Let, let me get this document up here. Right before the assassination. He was arrested. And this is like just weeks before the assassination. Um, he was arrested in Dallas. By the Dallas Police Department, he was a, okay. Here we go. This is October sixteenth, nineteen sixty-three, he was um, <clears throat> driving a vehicle that had a trailer attached to it, and he was pulled over by the Dallas Police because he had a concealed license plate, and that—that's why they pulled him over. Uh, and now he states that, um, the cop walked up to the car and said, are you Lawrence Hall? Like they knew who he was. <clears throat> I mean, this is when it comes to Hall, when he tells some of these stories, you, you can't, you can't figure out whether he's telling the truth or not. You know, in, in some instances you can do, you can use statement analysis on it and pretty much determine that he's not telling the truth but but on this thing it's it's hard to tell um you know if the cop indeed didn't know who he was when he walked up to the car but anyway the bottom line on that is he he was hauled in for having drugs in his drug com- glove compartment for, uh, i think they were uh what the heck they were they were prescription drugs mm-hmm. Um. For some reason, they just, according to him, they wanted to haul him in. And according to him, the reason why they did that, according to him, is that they wanted documentation that he was in Dallas so they could set him up as the patsy of the assassination. That's what he stated.
4: How do you tie um, Lauren Hall in with um, Oswald? Like, what What do you have for evidence putting the two of them together? that they right. knew each other.
3: I have two sources that are in official documents from witnesses that state that uh, Laurent Hall had been in, he had been in contact in the months before the assassination talking to Oswald. Okay? And then I also have um, w- when he got out of jail he checked in the YMCA that was the same YMCA that Oswald had rented a room in. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's there's pretty much three sources right there. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how, how much you need. And,
4: and do we have him tied to um, being there the, at the time of the assassination? Do we have any pictures or any sort of
3: testimony? I have no pictures, but there is testimony that he was there by two different people. Um, <clears throat> but this thing about his, let me, let me go through this arrest thing because this is sort of inter- interesting. Okay. You know, you, you got to remember this is, he's under oath testifying that after he was arrested, you know, of course he was, he was in jail and he was visited by a member of the FBI a CIA agent and a military intelligence officer while he was in jail period
2: now he was he so, was visited at, by these individuals while he was in jail yes, prior he was, he was to the visited, assassination
3: yes he was visited by three individuals well, he was in jail, and the first individual was an FBI agent. And he called this individual Holowski or something like that. Well, when you look at the uh, description of who he's talking about, it's, it's got to be uh, FBI agent Hosty, who was actually in charge of the Oswald file in Dallas. And he stated in his deposition that while he was talking to this FBI agent, that he told the FBI agent when they started talking about Kennedy that Kennedy needed to have his head blown off, period. Oh, Lord. Okay, now. Then.
2: Now now we're getting close.
3: And he didn't name any names because he didn't know who they were, but he claims that he was visited by a a military intelligence officer. He didn't say what branch of the Army or anything. Then he stated that he was also visited by a CIA agent from the local Dallas CIA office. So, I mean, okay, now, so, uh, w- with those those three facts right there, you, you have to sit there and think, all right, this guy was arrested for having a small bottle of pills, local matter, in jail. Why was he visited by the FBI, military intelligence, and a CIA officer? Well, now, now that's a little...
2: So far, that is more convincing than anything else that we have discussed. Um, Because, for example, you you, you quoted the fact that the police walked up to him whenever they pulled him over and knew his name. Uh, That's easily dismissed because if this is your license plate, it's going to be registered to you.
3: This is a piece of evidence that is really suspicious because he was bailed out by who he says, quote, my attorney, Robert Morris, unquote, okay, Mhm. Well, they had asked him several hours before he made this statement if he had ever met or had a meeting with Robert Morris well, in Dallas, and he stated that he couldn't remember, okay Robert Morris was the lo- he was the local head of the John Burke Society. Um and then, um the person that actually, uh, came and got him and bailed him out of jail was this oil man that he had, he had the meeting with in his office about the assassination. Now, gi-
2: given everything that you've told us thus far uh, about these possible accomplices to the JFK assassination, who- it's beginning to create this picture in my mind that the whole purpose of the Warren Commission was to kind of, you know, toe the line. You know, here's the official narrative. It was Oswald, period. And the whole purpose of the Warren Commission was simply, you know, not necessarily to find the truth, but to fulfill this narrative that there was one shooter with magic bullets and was able to, you know refire a a rifle within this amount of time yep it was only the one guy despite everything that well, you have found
3: you're exactly right because there's actually documents that imply that um in the 2017 document release there is a memo From J. Edgar Hoover, actually, there's two memos. There's one memo that states that, quote, the only issue now is that he is dead, unquote, referring to Oswald. Mm -hmm. And then there is a second memo where Hoover specifically states that we need to issue something To convince the American people that Oswald did it, period. End of quote, okay? Now you have to, you have to sit back and say, okay, now wait a minute now. He didn't say that, you know, it's, it's the wording that he uses, convince the American people that Oswald did it period. He didn't say that we had to convince the American people that there was no conspiracy, just that Oswald did it, period. Which is kind of, you know, implying that, well, maybe he didn't think that. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, I gotcha. Now, there, there, is, there is some other documents that they're not new, they've been around for a while, but they kind of, nobody ever puts them together. There's one document where an FBI agent, and this is like maybe an hour after Oswald was arrested in, in Dallas police custody, where this FBI agent came up with a new lead on a new, maybe a new suspect that he wanted to go check out in a hotel. Um, and there's a handwriting in Hoover's handwriting. You can tell it's him because he, he used his initials that he just says, not necessary, suspect already in custody, do not pursue, period. That's kind of, you know, suspicious an hour after Oswald's arrest, isn't it? That they wouldn't, wouldn't want to pursue any other leads. Hmm. pertaining to the assassination if it didn't have anything to do with Oswald? True, true. Now, now what, what was... Then, what was... but that's still not all. <laughs> you know, LBJ was originally against the idea of having a commission to investigate the assassination. But what happened is this, the state of Texas, the attorney general of the state of Texas, who was Wagner Carr at the time, for a pretty honest guy, for a politician I would say, if you check out his background, he was, he was going to do an investigation on the Kennedy assassination. And then both the House of Representatives, you know, joint members of Various congressmen signed a uh, and supported a bill to hold hearings on the assassination, and then the Senate did the same thing. So now you got three potential investigations coming up, right? You have the House of Representatives, you have the U.S. Senate, and you have the state of Texas. So there, there's a tape recording that anyone can listen to. On YouTube of a telephone conversation between J. Edgar Hoover and Lyndon Johnson, uh, where Lyndon Johnson calls Hoover up and says, what do you, what do you think about these, uh, all these potential investigations that are going on? And Hoover says, "I think that would be very bad, very bad for the country, and and uh, you know for our for our quote position unquote." And LBJ turns around and says, "Well, the only way I can think to stop him is to appoint a presidential commission and call the attorney general of the state of Texas." In both the leaders of both houses of Congress, and tell them to stop. That we're doing, we're going to do a presidential commission. And whoever said, "Well, I think that'd be a good idea." So that was the today end of that we, conversation. Today we blame it on the Russians. Today, so <laughs> well, here here's the thing: that conversation, in and of itself, is solid proof that the only reason LBJ did the Warren Commission was to stop legitimate investigations.
2: Uh, you know, and, and I, I have to agree, you know, given everything that you've told us today, I, I, I have to agree. Um, but how, so so how does, you know, we're, we're, we're up against the clock now. Um, how how does this end um, a, a question that, that I've been banting around in, in my head is why was oswald then the only one that was assassinated after
3: another book called silenced and it documents over 100 people that or they were either murdered or you know their death was very 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 suspicious that knew too much about the kennedy assassination now it's now, did that answer your question, or am I sort of off base there?
2: You're getting there, um, they went to such great lengths, you know, to to stop Oswald. Oswald never saw a, a day in court, which, ag- again, no, never- fulfills their, their narrative, you know, that this is the man that did it, and look at, you know, he so enraged a nation that he himself was assassinated, but everybody else that we've talked about today kind of uh, escapes notice, you know, how did they how did they manage that or or how you know, how does Lauren, you know, what happened after and why was all this so well ignored?
3: Well, it would it might take another hour to explain it, but uh, the federal government has a program that's called Operation Mockingbird.
2: Yeah, you know understand what I'm
3: talking about. Yes. So, I mean, they can uh, they can pretty much tell the major news media outlets. They can control to a certain extent what they can and what they can't report when it comes to certain matters, as you well know, being a journalist yourself. Um, so, I mean, you know, when you start looking at all this stuff, Now, I can remember as a kid when I was 13 years old, going home the day that Kennedy was assassinated because school let out. They let everybody go home. And I was flipping around the channels. You know, there were only three TV channels back then. And every TV channel mentioned that the assassination was a conspiracy. Before you know, and then over over a period, this was like before anybody could uh, grab control or anything. Before Lyndon Johnson was even sworn in as president, you know. Then I noticed, as a, as as a thirteen year old kid, I noticed the next day all that stopped, all that talk about a conspiracy. All of a sudden, you know, they weren't saying that; they were saying something else. They were saying that. Um, they had Oswald in custody. And he was probably the lone assassin. Right. And all of a sudden, the the talking conspiracy just all uh, just stopped. I mean, uh, you know that's that's what amazed me. And I remember the Sunday I was sitting in the living room with my dad, and we were watching TV when they were transferring Oswald. Okay, and um Oswald was shot by Jack Ruby murdered, and to this day, I still have this picture in my mind of my dad jumping up off the couch, staring out the window and saying something's going on that the American public doesn't know about.
2: Right, well, I mean, it, it was a, such an unimaginable thing. I mean, something like this hadn't happened in, you know, almost a 100 years.
3: Well, you know that Ruby, there's two sources on Jack Ruby. One of them is one of his attorneys, and another one is a jailer. And there's YouTube videos on both of them making the statement that Ruby told him he shot Oswald to silence him. There is also um several early black and white videos. You have to you have to kind of they're they're like news reels from old TV, you know, live TV broadcasts of a couple of Ruby's strippers. <clears throat> that stated that and i believe that there's two of them there might be more they both stated that they believe that ruby shot oswald because of he was ordered to
2: i uh, you know and and, and ralph I, I believe that uh, but then again like you said this is a a whole other show um I could go down this rabbit hole with you easily because I'm a firm believer that yeah, Jack Ruby was part of a conspiracy. But oh definitely, definitely, uh, uh, definitely. Unfortunately definitely. we're we're very, very quickly running out of time. Uh, but I would be okay, remiss well. if I didn't give you an opportunity to talk to the listeners about how they can get in touch with you and and maybe, you know conspire themselves some of these ideas that they have with you.
3: Sure. You can find me on Facebook, or you can go to Amazon.com and type in Ralph Thomas, and my author page will come up. But, Ralph, thank
2: you. I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the House of Mystery and, and sharing your thoughts with
3: us. You know, I enjoyed it, and I look forward to uh, doing another one and seeing, seeing this uh, go live.